to be doing a series of lessons entitled Questions He Asked. We're going to be looking at different questions that Jesus asked throughout the Gospels. Because when Jesus asked a question, He always went straight to the heart. Today's uh, lesson is entitled, Who Do You Say I Am? Luke chapter 9, in verse 18. We're just going to go ahead and dive in. Are you guys ready? I am so ready. So here we go. Luke 9, 18. Once, when Jesus was praying in private, and His disciples were with Him, He asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. It's interesting that even in the first century, Jesus was causing so much confusion. In our world today, isn't that so? There's so many different opinions of who Jesus is. I want to show you a quick video to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say here. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. I also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound... Six ounce, newborn infant Jesus. Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and the $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious, mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, you know, we have 
even right there, baby Jesus. You know, everybody, every one of us, different experiences, we've grown up differently, we grew up with different images of Jesus. Uh, you know, I grew up, I, even though I grew up in the church, I still have the Hollywood image, right, of the, the nice flowing hair and the clean-cut beard and the nice blue eyes and stuff like that from the movies, right? And we have this image. I mean, some of us have this image of Jesus here. You know, Jesus is my homeboy. I don't know, if, have you guys seen these t-shirts? Jesus is my homeboy. You know, the next slide. You know, Jesus, hey, hey, dude, what's up, man? Like, this is... This is the image, right, that our world portrays of Jesus. And it's so different from what the Bible has to say. You know, when I think about, when you think about history, you know, there's, there's certain people in history who, who caused a great impact. And it was interesting to see, I, I found this as I was kind of meditating and thinking through the, the lesson for today. Um, I came across what Napoleon uh, famous emperor said. He says, I know man and I will tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. You know, it's interesting how different people at different stages of life have a, can have a different image of Jesus. You know, was Jesus just a good moral teacher, a good philosopher? That's what a lot of different religions say, a lot of different people in our age say. Jesus had great teachings and had high moral standard and he taught really well. And I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God but let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. When I think about this, I think about, man, you know, Jesus causes reactions, severe, extreme reactions from different people. Was he a good moral teacher? Was he a myth? Was he a legend? Did he just say really nice things and expect people to live a certain way and that's kind of it? Jesus of the Bible is totally different from Jesus is our homeboy. And that's what I want to do today. I want to be able to journey through the book of Luke a little bit and talk about who Jesus from the Bible is to remind us who we follow to remind us, to impact us, to inspire us of who the real Jesus is. And Luke 9, verse 20, right after he asks uh, them, who do the crowd say I am? And they say, you're G John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Some people, you know, Jesus comes back and says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? 
Jesus and His questions always went straight to the heart of the matter. At the end of the day, we can go along with the crowd and the different images we have of Jesus, but Jesus Himself wants to know, what about you? Who do you say I am? What's your conviction of who Jesus is? The implications, if Jesus says who He is, if Jesus is who He really says He is, the implications are pretty huge. You know, it's interesting because it doesn't matter. Even the Bible talks about in Philippians 2, every knee will bow. It doesn't matter if we believe or want to believe or not. At the end of the day, we will all come before the throne of God and say, Jesus is Lord, no matter what we believe. That's the power of Jesus in the Bible. Not Jesus is my homeboy. Consider, consider these following passages. We're going to do some little Bible study here. You guys ready? Look at Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Even in Luke 2, when Mary, as a baby, as baby Jesus, right? Even as baby Jesus, Simeon blessed Mary, his mother, and said, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the prophecy of Jesus when He's a little baby of who He is to be. We read on in Luke chapter 4 and verses 1 through 4, we see Him stand up to temptation. You know, Satan comes and tempts in the desert and Jesus uses God's Word and stands up to Satan. And it's not like it was his conscience talking to himself. It was Satan himself that Jesus stands up to. You continue reading. And in verse 20 of chapter 4, he, he reads, he goes to church, he picks up a prophecy of, of the book of Isaiah. He reads it, he rolls it back up and gives it back. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he just sits there and says, all the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then it talks about how, because he was in Nazareth and he was in his hometown, and he's like, you know, they, they all spoke well of him, but it says that uh, they were making fun of him. Like, isn't this Joseph's son? We saw him growing up. Who is he to say that this is the fulfillment of prophecy? And Jesus kind of goes on and, and he tells this story about how uh, God because the Israelites were so stubborn and prideful, God was going to go and get the Gentiles too. And that, it says here, that it made the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, verse 29, Luke 4, 29, they got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But it says he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is no homeboy. He stood his ground and walked through a violent crowd that was about to toss him over because of the power of his words. You keep on reading in Luke chapter 5, Jesus was willing to, to spend time with the outcast of society, the lepers who were cast out of their families, out of the towns. And it says Jesus went there and says, I, I'm willing to heal you. And He heals the leper. Keep on reading in verse 31. And 
it says that uh, people challenged him about his mission. And he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you see his focus. He's not distracted by all the things that he wants to do and may have to do. He's focused. Luke chapter 6, keep on going, and, and he heals the, the law of the Sabbath. And he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And he heals a man's hand during the holiday. And everyone... It says the Pharisees, the leaders of the community, says they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is the response that, that people had when they came in contact with Jesus. It wasn't, hey, what's up, man? What's up, dude? Hey, let's hang out and go eat together and grab a drink. It wasn't that. People were furious when they came in contact with Jesus. Luke 6, verse 12, it says that he prayed all night and then he, he gathered his disciples together and out of, those, out of those disciples he chose 12. Can you imagine? Maybe there's only 20 or 40 or, tw- or, or 25 or 30 and you don't get picked. You may not want to follow him anymore. But Jesus was focused. He said, I'm going to get, I want you, uh, I want you, you, you. It wasn't favoritism, it was his plan. His focus, his mission. And he selects these men. He says, you're going to walk with me, I'm going to help you. And, and Simon, this is important, Simon, Peter, was one of them. And so think about Simon. He's walking with Jesus, he's seeing all this stuff. He's already seen Jesus do all this stuff. And then he gets picked to be one of the twelve. In Luke 7, We see Jesus again. He's challenging the elite, the leaders of the community, the rich. He's challenging as he forgives a sinful woman that nobody else wanted to forgive. In Luke chapter 8, we see him calm the storm. There's a a storm going. This guy, Jesus, in the middle of a storm in the boat, he's taking a nap. The disciples are going crazy. And Jesus gets up and rebukes. It says that he rebukes the wind and the waves. And they calm down. And he turns around and looks at his guys. He says, you of little faith. Then they get to this, to this town. And he, he, there's this man chained in the cemetery. They call him Legion because it says that many demons were within him. And of everybody in the community, who's the one that dealt with legion? Jesus. He had the courage to go up to this man and heal him. Luke 9. And you think about Peter. You think about these guys walking with Jesus, watching all this stuff happen. And Luke 9, it says in the beginning that, that he, there, there was a whole crowd listening to him. Through Luke 6, 7, and 8, we see the message that he's preaching. It's a, it's a different message. It's something totally extreme. And Luke 9, the people are hungry, and what does he do? He feeds 5,000 men. doesn't even count the women and children. It's just the men, 5,000 men. Well, there's a few loaves and a few fish. And so when Peter is in the circle... And he hears Jesus say, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter replies, 
the Christ of God. In Peter's life, from within, he knew there was something completely different about Jesus. He was not like any other expert in the law or Pharisee or synagogue ruler. He was not like anybody else. And after everything Peter had grown up listening to, all the prophecies, the Old Testament, all the Jewish culture, everything, after what he experienced with just his short time spent with Jesus, his response is, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Anointed One. The Son of the Living God. To Peter, it was obvious. Jesus was not his homie. Jesus was not the guy he was just going to go kick it with. To him, Jesus Christ of God. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father, we thank You for Jesus. I just really want to thank You so much as we continue to look at the Scriptures. Help us to see the real Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. When we begin to dig into the Scriptures, we see a Jesus who is radical, compassionate, focused, courageous, hard-working, deep convictions, standing up to the established leadership of society, anti-institution, willing to help the outcast, caring for the poor, training men. Men want to follow Jesus. Real men wanted to follow Jesus. Because of His life and the power of His Word, He was not a good moral teacher. He was not Hollywood Jesus. He was not who you and I would probably expect for Him to be. You know, for us, it's so much more easier to hold on to the world's view of Jesus. When you really think about it, when you think about, if I just held on to the vision of Jesus being a a, a nice guy with holding a, a little sheep, you know, and looking into the heavens and, Uh, the mythical, distant, homeboy, you know, we're going to kick it kind of Jesus. It's easier to hold on to that image of Jesus. Because it, it doesn't force you to look to your own life and consider what you're actually living for. Why you're even here. It doesn't, it doesn't force you to ask questions because he's my homeboy. Jesus of the Bible, for me, and as I'm studying this stuff, I was like, wow, in my flesh, I'd rather believe in Hollywood Jesus than Jesus in the Bible. Because Hollywood Jesus is so much more convenient. Jesus of the Bible actually expects something from me. When we look at Jesus in the Bible, what He preaches, how He lives... It caused, for me, it caused two words to come to mind that go totally against my nature and our American culture. 
And these two words are simple. Submit and follow. We don't want to submit. We don't want to follow. We want control. I mean, how many remote controls do you have in your own house? We want a remote control for everything. It talks, that, sh- that shows our laziness, but also our need for, I need to control things. When Jesus preached, when we look at Jesus from the Bible, He's calling us to submit, to follow. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. Submit. Follow. What if somebody came up to you right now and said, listen, you know what? I know you have a lot of things going on in your life, but here's the answer to your problems. You need to submit and you need to follow. We'd get offended. Like, what? I didn't vote for you. You can't tell me what to do. I have my rights. But yet Jesus was very straightforward about what it means to be in his kingdom. We talked about it last week. We talked about the childlike humility. But the submission and to follow. Look what, look what he says. After, after Peter says, you're the Christ of God, in Luke 9, verse 23, and this is in the message version here. I just wanted to get another kind of angle on it. It says, then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when He arrives in all His splendor in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. You know, it's kind of a funny paraphrase. In the other versions and translations, it talks about denying yourself, taking up your cross daily. These are the words that are used that Jesus says, but I really like this version because it says, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to let me lead. We want a little bit of Jesus in our lives. We want Jesus the homeboy because he's convenient He shows up whenever we call Him up. He's not Lord. He's just the homie. But Jesus says, if you're going to actually come and believe in Me and be in My kingdom and these kind of things, you've got to let Me lead. I'm in the driver's seat. Submit. Let Jesus lead. Embrace suffering. It's not self-help. Sometimes Jesus gets, gets diluted into this philosophical, you know, theoretical, like, nebulous, yes, Jesus says, and it's going to help my self-esteem if I believe in Jesus. It won't help your self-esteem. You just need to be humble. Submit. Let Him lead. 
It requires humility. A decision to let go of all control. But Reuben, I want to control every aspect of my life. Yes, you're right. But when you come in contact with Jesus, He's no good moral teacher. He's saying, let me lead. Let me lead. I'm ready. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is Jesus still Lord in your life? Think about your schedule. Is He Lord of your time? Think about your budget, your finances, your money. Jesus talked a lot about money. Is Jesus Lord of your money? Think about your family. Is Jesus Lord of your family? Is Jesus Lord of your priorities? Think about your emotions, your perspective. Is Jesus Lord of your emotions and perspective? It requires a self-control to submit to Jesus' Lordship and leadership in our lives. It's a daily decision. It's not easy. But our main issues, even for those of us in the faith, is that we want to be Lord of our life. If it means me giving up control of my life, then I'm not going to do it. It's the church is controlling me. The small group is controlling me. No. The issue is you. It's not the church. It's not the small group. It's not your ministry leader. It's not me. It's not the elders. You want control. And so you won't submit to the Lordship of Christ. C.S. Lewis says here, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, All right then, have it your way. Think about our world. When we have it our own way. I talked about this last week a little bit. The amount of divorce, abuse, violence. Just within the home. Not, I'm not even talking about the world at large. I'm just talking about in the home. Fine, have it your way. We can either say, thy will be done, or have God say, fine then, have it your way. And see what happens when you do it your own way. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is calling people to submit. Jesus is calling people to follow Him because He knows it's the only way people will ever truly understand and see God. But he's always testing people to see if they truly want to follow him too. Check this out. Continuing to read in Luke 9, verse 57. You guys with me here? Turn the Bible to Luke 9, verse 57. As we submit, the next step is to start following. But look what he says here about following him. Luke 9, verse 57. It says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go, bury, go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back 
No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, I always read this passage and I thought to myself, if Jesus, if Jesus wanted a bunch of people to follow him, why would he say such crazy things? I mean, the guy wants to go to a funeral for his dad. And Jesus says, go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Forget the dead. What? Let me go say goodbye to my family. Then I'll go on the mission team. No. Come follow me now. If you're not if you're not if you're gonna put your hand to the plow and work and, and look back, you're not fit for service in the kingdom. It's like he's trying to get rid of people. Jesus knows the true heart of man. He knows what's within a man, what's within a woman. And so he tests the character of people. Jesus called people to a wholehearted commitment to follow him. You know, our church used to talk about this all the time. Totally committed. You gotta be totally committed. And we talk about it a lot now in different, kind of different ways and stuff like that, but Jesus didn't beat around the bush about things. If you're gonna follow me, it's wholeheartedly. Not whenever it's convenient for you or whenever you feel like it. He calls us to a wholehearted and immediate commitment he didn't mess around. You know, for us who've made decisions to follow Jesus and be disciples, sometimes, a lot of times, when it comes to decisions to repent or to, quote, get serious about God or, or about sin in our life, we wait until kind of all of our ducks are in a row. You know, kind of, let me set the stage for everything to be perfect, and then I'll repent. And then I'll follow Jesus. You know, a lot of us, some of us too, when we were studying the Bible to become disciples, it's like, well, I, when, I, when I arrange my schedule at work and figure it all out, then I'll start studying the Bible and really look at who Jesus is. And Jesus says, forget that. Submit, let me lead, and follow me. Following Jesus according to the Jesus in the Bible is out of our comfort zone. You know, he talks about foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. You want to follow me? Expect suffering. Expect sacrifice. It will be difficult. I'm not your homeboy. I'm not a hotel manager over here. Going to give you a room. That's not... No, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be tough. You ready? You want to come along? It's going to be fun, but it's going to be tough. talks about let the dead bury their own dead he was talking about man if you're going to follow me it's going to be top priority i'm number one nothing else no distractions focus i'm it that's it is that too insensitive for you does that offend you i don't know about you i know myself my sinful nature if i was in the crowd at that time i would be kind of offended by that i have i have a beautiful wife i have two beautiful daughters you know, I, I'm happy like this. And you're trying to tell me I can't go say goodbye to them? You're going to be the top priority? What about my wife? What about my kids? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Jesus, Jesus love, he loves us enough to tell us what we need to hear. It may not be what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear. 
wholehearted, committed, top priority. He says, don't look back. Look forward. I'm the main focus. You know, for some of us, do you look back and wonder what it could have been like if you would have just not made the decision? Sometimes we get in our faith, we're like, it's so hard. It's so difficult. Every day I'm just kind of picking myself up to read my Bible, to pray. You know, it's just, I wish I would have never made this decision to follow Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? And Jesus is like, it's because you're not focused. You keep on looking back. And you're not fit for service in the kingdom. If you're studying the Bible with us today, what sin are you still holding on to? What are you looking back to? You've had a tough week this week and just kind of struggle with your own character and sinful nature. What, are you, what, what is it that you're trying to hold on to? Just, just let it go. Jesus says, look forward. Focus. Jesus did not beat around the bush. He went straight to the heart, calling those around him to submit to his lordship and to follow him totally, totally committed. I think in my life, you know, it's interesting as I studied this, I studied these uh, chapters this week, I just kind of fell in love with Jesus all over again. It was very, it was very moving for me. I started, you know, listening to more songs about Jesus and singing Jesus is Lord just around the house and stuff like that. And, but I realized the day-to-day decision that I need to make to submit to the Lordship of Christ, in my nature, I, am, uh, I, I love to be around people. I love hanging out. I love having fun and all this kind of stuff. But at times, if it was up to me, I would turn off my phone and just be in my room ignoring everybody and everything, reading a book and just taking a nap. You know what I'm saying? And, and just not... And there were times, even in the past, within the past few weeks, where I just like, man, I just want to... I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I just want to be by myself. And I look at this passage and Jesus is like, listen, don't look back. Focus. You'll get all your strength with me. I got you. And so it's one of those decisions on a daily basis, right? Let him lead. Deny myself. Embrace the suffering. I'm going to be, just accept, you're going to be tired for the rest of your life. That's why Jesus says, when you come home, you're going to rest forever. But until then, you'll be tired. Accept it. And I had this so many times, even though in this past week, okay, God, I'm going to push myself. Deny myself. I've got to give to this person. I've got to love this person. I've got to serve here. I've got to give there because I love God. And I submit to His Lordship. I want to challenge us today. You guys ready? Two challenges. First, I want to challenge those of you who are visiting with us, studying the Bible. Maybe it's your first time here with us. I want to challenge you to submit yourself To the Jesus of the Bible. Study the Bible. Ask the questions. Decide to let go of all your upbringing and what what you grew up with knowing about Jesus. Let go of all that stuff and actually read what the Bible has to say. And consider whether or not you're ready to follow this Jesus. Not the homeboy. 
this one. Jesus is saying, let go, let me lead. What are you holding on to? Is it a relationship? Is it an intellectual obstacle? Is it your Jesus of convenience? I'm just going to bring him up whenever I need him. I want to challenge you. Study the Bible. Let go. Let Jesus lead. Go for it. Amen? For those of us in the fellowship here who are followers of Jesus, my question to you is, are, are you looking back? Are you looking back to not just your, your life in the world, but are you looking back to past victories? You know, a lot of times we can live in the past. We can, oh, I used to do this, I used to do that, and man, it was so awesome back in the day because the church used to be like this. And the, uh, Are you looking back? Or are you embracing the challenges that are going on right now? The suffering. Are you complaining about suffering or embracing the suffering? Are you blaming God and the church for the challenges in your life? Or are you embracing it because you're following Jesus, the ultimate suffering servant? How's it going with your serving, with your giving, your schedule, your family devotionals, your discipling times? What are you prioritizing? How's it going with your financial giving? I mean, when you think about these things, is Jesus really still Lord of your life? We need to commit, remember the commitment we made. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Like I said, this study has helped me so much to love Jesus more, to respect Him more, and want to actually want to submit to Him. Not know that I need to, but want to submit to Him and follow Him more and more. There is no other man in the history who has had the amount of impact that Jesus has had. He's not weak. He's not my homeboy. Jesus is the Christ of God. The anointed one of God. The Messiah. He is Lord. There is no way to God except through Christ. He is perfectly God and perfectly man. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. There is suffering in following Him, but there is complete Victory in the end. I don't have to fear as I follow Him. There's no insecurity. Because just as He says to follow Him without looking back and let Him lead, He also says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened. I got you. I'll take care of you. So the question to us today is, what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Is he Lord? Or is he your homeboy? Revelation 19, verse 11, to close out. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. 
He will rule with them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of, the, of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the Jesus I'll submit myself to. That's the Jesus I will follow. King of kings, Lord of lords. Don't follow the crowd. Discover, continue to discover who the real Jesus is and what this would actually mean for your life. At this time, we're going to say a prayer and take communion together. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, we come before You to Your throne this evening. Grateful. Because we know You are King of kings and Lord of lords. We humbly bow to You this evening as we take of the bread that represents Your body that was beaten and bruised because of our stubbornness and pride, we humbly bow and thank You that You gave of Yourself, of Your physical body, so that we may be able to have a relationship with the God of Heaven. Jesus, we thank You for the blood that You shed on the cross that as we read in the Scriptures washes our sins away. The blood of the covenant that takes away our sin. Every evil thought that we had, even coming in here tonight, God. You wash it away through the blood of Jesus. And as we take this bread, as we take this cup, I pray that our hearts, with all humility, will submit and follow whatever distractions, whatever insecurities, whatever discouragements, challenges, things that happened throughout the week that made us question our faith, I pray that as we have read the Scriptures tonight, we would just humbly submit and let You lead Follow wholeheartedly Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. In His name, Amen.
<laughs> Amen. At this time, we will transition. At this time, we transition a contribution part of our service. For those who don't know me, my name is John Hay. I'm part of the amazing singles ministry. <laughs> and I have the privilege today of preparing our hearts to honor God with their finances. And I want to change it up today, do something a little bit different, use a scripture that we're not used to using for contribution. Um, if you guys want to turn there real quick, the scripture you probably have memorized. Uh, John 3.16. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're not doing communion again. Reuben did an awesome job. We're not doing it again. <laughs> My goal is to relate this scripture to contribution. It reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We can just stop there. Now imagine, imagine if all we had was the first part of this verse. It said, For God so loved the world, Period. And Jesus never came to earth, never came to die for his sins. How would you guys be feeling about God's love? I know for me, I would be feeling, I mean, a little insecure. I would be doubting it. I would, you know, I would ask God to prove it. You know, love that's not followed by action isn't real love. You know, John even talks about it in 1 John 3.18. You know, don't just, you know, love with words and speech, but with action and truth. You know, thanks be to God, God did send his son. God did demonstrate his love by sending Jesus to die for us. And relating this back to contribution, contribution is an um, opportunity for us to demonstrate our love for God and for others. If we had a sentence to describe our love, what would it say? I'll fill in my name, but you can fill in your name too. John, so loved the world, period. That's it. Or would it say, John, so loved the world that he gave? Which sentence describes your love today? And I know we all have challenges along the way. I even have challenges. And just to be real, two weeks ago, I lost one of my jobs. I was uh, at a sales job. I was at a self-defense studio. You know, I, I, was taking, I took the class that morning, saw my coworker, and he's like, you're done. That's it. It's your last day. And I wasn't expecting it. I came out of nowhere. You know, I was making okay money here. You know, I was making hourly plus commission, way more than I was making at my other job. You know, I could take care of my expenses. You know, I could give back to God, and then I had a little extra spending money, too. It was nice. And now I don't have that anymore. You know, my finances are a lot tighter. You know, I, for, those, for those of you who don't know, I live in Orange County. So, you know, I have to commute a little bit. You know, Wednesday is a, sing, you know, a singles ministry meets up in L.A., so I have to, you know, go there. And then, obviously, Friday, Devo, you know, Sunday service. So I have the gas expense that I have to think about. I have, you know, insurance. I have my phone bill. I have all these expenses. And it's challenging for me because, you know, I'm making less money now, and I still have those same expenses. And the temptation is to, to hold back a little bit, to not give as much to God. You know, well, God, you know, I'm going through a hard time right now. You know, I have, I'm only, you know, working 13 hours in my other job. I don't have as much money. So, you know, you can give me a break. You know, give me, give me a couple weeks, you know, and I'll get back on my feet. You know, but every day I have to really demonstrate my love for God by giving. And, you know, I have to walk by faith. I have to trust that that God will provide, you know, that if I'm, you know, proving my love by giving back to God, that he will provide for me, you know, and I can't think about my interests, you know, I have challenges, but I have to think about the interests of others, you know, and God's love is selfless, guys, you know, he wasn't thinking about himself when he gave his son, he had our best interests in mind, you know, in mind all the time, you know, imagine what thoughts could have been going through God's head, you know, oh man, my son's going to die for the world, and then some people aren't even going to care, 
that would make me struggle a little bit. Or, you know, hey, my son's going to die for the world. You know, people become Christians, and then they're still going to, you know, sin, and, you know, maybe even leave me. Now, that would challenge me. You know, if, if these thoughts had affected God's love for us, you know, Jesus probably would, never would have come to, to this earth. You know, so as we prepare our hearts to give to God today, let's examine our love. Is our love love that's followed by action, love that gives? Is it love that, that gives selflessly like God did for us? What kind of love do you have today? Let us pray. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for your love, God, your love that, that you demonstrated. God, we don't have to be insecure, God. We don't have to doubt because you proved it by giving us your son. God, and I pray that we can have that love, uh, God, that we can have love that is followed by action that gives, God, and that, that gives selflessly to you, God. And the only motivation is you and your love, God. But uh, we love you, God. Please bless this offering. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Okay, while the, the baskets are being passed for contribution, I'm going to do a few announcements. Uh, first of all, I want to just thank you, Reuben, for today's message. I, uh, been, a, been a disciple for quite a while now, you know, about 20-some-odd years, and I see that it's still what you said was it's a daily decision to follow Jesus. And I'm glad that I'm making that decision, you know. And so the announcements, the first one is midweek is going to be here at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. And we're looking forward to all of you guys being here. The next one is that next Sunday, right out in the foyer here, we're going to be collecting cans for our annual Veterans Can Drive. You guys remember that, right? Every year we, we collect these cans and we give to the veterans. We have a, one of the representatives to come over and pick them up. So they are very excited about us giving to them. And so like this year, we want to do even better every year. Amen? Yeah. And so our can drive is next, next week. And also, last but not least, we're going to have a baptism. <laughs> and uh, I'm very fired up about that. Uh, Andrew is getting baptized. Should be back here in the back. Hey, Drew, what's up, man? <laughs> Good evening, church, again. So this is Andrew Salas. Uh, he's a student at Cal State Long Beach along with myself and Brent. And uh, we met Andrew... Uh, almost exactly a year ago, last fall, um, and it was great. We met him. He was super open. He studied, and he got to a point in the studies where he he had a lot of un, I don't want to say this, a lot of doubts, um, and so he he kind of took some time, uh, some time off. We kind of lost track of him for a little bit, um, and then I called him up one day, and you know invited him back out to church, and he said, you know what, uh, I can't make it out to church, but can we meet up tomorrow morning? Can we spend some time? I said, yeah, sure. And so we sat down. Uh, he came over to the house, and we sat down for probably an hour and a half um, and just talked. And I think the thing that I learned that day that I think is still pertinent today, and, and one of the things that I admire the most about you, Andrew, um, is that you knew that there was something missing. Um, you knew that there was a truth out there 
that was more than what you had in your life. You knew that there had to be something bigger. I mean, it's pushed you um, throughout the whole time. This was in July. And so July, we met up again, and we had a bunch of quiet times together, uh, reviewed all the Bible studies. Um, and to see his heart transformed this time uh, was incredible. Um, to see just the, the knowledge and the, the hunger for the truth um, that Andrew has in, has really inspired me, has really uh, touched my heart. And so I'm exceptionally glad to see today come. Uh, I'm really happy for you, Andrew. I'm excited that the day finally came. Uh, and I'm going to let Brent share here a little bit. I think one thing that stood out a lot uh, when, when studying with Andrew is uh, one time we, were, we actually, him and I actually just sat down and studied about uh, prayer. And it was something cool because uh, I feel like your, your prayer life is really elevated uh, from when we were just, it was short and sweet and to the point. And then it got to a point where it was like casual conversation with God and really having a reverence for God. And we talked about the Lord's Prayer and the heart behind all that. And I think that's really great, man, because that's really going to help you stay faithful um, as you really pour out your heart with God. And, and even to the times when we were just in men's morning prayer, when we were walking around and praying, and also to the point where uh, we were just praying, walking around your neighborhood, man. I know we're going to have great prayers down the road. So thank you for elevating your prayer life, because your decision right now is an answer prayer for us, too. And I want to give you a chance to share. Uh, just... Don't drop the mic. Maybe you want to drop your hand on the shirt a little bit. Don't want to drop the mic. We're getting in a lot of trouble, actually. Hi, everybody. My name's Andrew. Um, going back to what Chad said about um, that one day where we both talked, um, you know, I let him know that I felt like I really lacked spiritually, and it really, it really hurt me um, deep in my heart. Um, and I, I knew that I, I wanted to be baptized. I knew at the end of the road I wanted to be baptized. But I didn't want to make an emotional decision. Um, I wanted to make a decision based on um, uh, my character and based on the truth. And I wanted to know the truth. And so I, I told Chaz, you know, Chaz, you know, I want to get baptized, but, you know, I really want to do all of the studies, you know, from discipleship to counting the cost. You know, I want to do all the studies and then really know the truth. <laughs> and I want to get... <laughs> I want to get closer to God and um, really have a strong relationship and know that what I was doing was the right decision for me. So I want to thank all of you in the campus ministry, uh, everyone that I've met. You know, every one of you has shaped my life in a different way. Even if you don't know it, you really have. And uh, I want to thank God for this opportunity. And uh, I say that I love you all. So all we got left is two questions for you, Andrew. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came down to earth, lived a sinless life, was crucified, and rose on the third day? Yes. Mr. Andrew Salas, what is your good confession? Jesus is Lord. Andrew, because of your good confession... We can baptize you in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. You receive the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and your name will be written in the book of life. Let's do it.
If we could all remain standing, please. We're going to sing one last, last song. It's an amazing service. Top off by the baptism. Uh, he's going to be outside. If you, just, if you want to say hi, encourage him. If you have any um, tips or just to welcome him to the family. So let's sing glory, glory, hallelujah. My eyes to see the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is camping out the vintage where the grapes are wrapped and stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of.